afternoon or a good evening, wherever you might be tuning into the IC Fish Podcast. We wish you well. We are here to bring you another exciting interview. We're delighted and excited to bring Salisbury's own uh, Dr. Matthew McCullough. Uh, Dr. Matthew McCullough, I'm looking at your CV, man, and my mind is blown here. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you. You are uh, an engineer. Yes. Uh, you're at uh, North Carolina A&T. Uh, Aggie Pride. I, okay, all right, that's all good. You're going to find lots of people out there that are echoing your Aggie Pride. But um, as I mentioned earlier, when I was kind of inviting you to be a, a guest here on our podcast, I wanted to kind of begin with letting you know about the center. We got started with the AAAS Science for Seminaries grant. And, I, and our work here is to integrate scientific content within the, the theological education that we present for persons that are planning to be preachers or chaplains or some kind of religious leader in society. And um, AAAS, which stands for the American Association for the Advancement of Science, says it's a good idea for clergy to be more scientifically literate. So they're giving grants to several se seminaries to make that a reality, and Hood was fortunate enough to be able to receive one for 2019-2020. So um, I met you because you and I sponsored the FACT Science Camp this past summer. Absolutely. I mean, you were, you, I mean, you put those scientific experiments together and uh, we were happy to implement them, and I was excited to be able to see not just the children, but the adults wanted to get in on the action. That's awesome. You know, so we're excited about taking it to the next level this summer, so you and I are gonna be continuing this collaboration. But I wanted to start off by asking you, how did you get into this field? Tell us a little bit about your journey as a scientist. Who, who inspired you? That's a great question, and uh, I just wanna take, a brief pause to say thank you for all that you're doing uh, with the center and with Hood and for the Salisbury community. Um, the journey is, is always interesting. I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Um, I did come from uh, parents who were college educated, but they were not in STEM. They noticed that I had a knack, uh, we call it now curiosity, but I was always breaking my toys. And when they got mad and they asked why, I said, well, I was trying to figure out how it worked. And so they said, okay, well, that's curiosity. Stop breaking your toys, but let's see if we can work with that. So from there, they just tried to expose me to engineers, to scientists, to people that were technical. Um, they may not have understood the calculus or what I was doing or what I was interested in, but they could find somebody who was. And so from there, um, I actually came to North Carolina A&T uh, to do my undergraduate degree in industrial engineering. And being from the West Coast in Seattle, Washington, it was just a mind-blowing, uh, life-altering experience in a positive way, and I knew that I wanted to come back someday and be a professor. And as I looked around at what engineering did and what we do, I said, there's got to be a way that I can use this to help people. Um, you know, the running joke in our field is lawyers and, and police, you know, rightfully so, get a lot of TV shows, but you don't get a lot about science and engineering, but it's equally as important because that technology, um, that is saving the person's life in, on the show uh, was designed by an engineer and some scientists. And so I found biomedical engineering, which combined um, technology and engineering with medical uh, devices and, and helping people. Um, I left A&T and went to the University of Iowa, where I got my PhD in biomedical engineering, focused on 
musculoskeletal biomechanics, and we can talk about what that means later. Um, and then I, my joke, my running joke is Iowa wasn't cold enough, so I went and did a postdoc at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Mama. It's cold up there and it's a lot of snow, but it was also a great learning experience. Um, and then had the opportunity to come back to a and in 2010 when we started a biomedical engineering program, uh, the first one at a historically black college or university, first one to be accredited by the national accreditation body, and uh, just had a love for STEM and, and trying to give back ever since. Man, I, I tell you, when, when I Googled you and I saw your CV, and then I saw the announcement of this, bioengi this bioengineering degree program um, at, at, at A&T, and that it was the first one and only one of its kind, and you are spearheading it, I was like, this man is doing major things. I'm so, 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 so glad that our, our paths have crossed. But as I said to you earlier, your role is what AAAS calls a boundary, a boundary pioneer, meaning that you not only are doing your work and your research in STEM, but you're also a, a person of faith. You are a member of a church. You're a member of First Calvary uh, Baptist Church right here in, in Salisbury. So tell me how you as a person of faith uh, who was obviously committed to the theory uh, and the and the body of knowledge that science presents? How do you how do you make these two ways of knowing about the work uh, and and uh, these two roles of knowledge these these two spheres of knowledge? How do you how do you find those um, not being not be in conflict and how you move and navigate? in the world that, that's a that's a great question thank you for that and i do want to shout out uh, reverend dr lehman brown who's a hood theological uh, good alum. man good man absolutely. good friend absolutely um you know i was reflecting on this and I, I think i had to do some serious introspection because for a long time i kept them separate yes and i i was in the advanced classes and arguably maybe even in, into undergrad i was going to church every weekend um even bible study on wednesdays but there was the church theological study, and there was my physics too, and thermodynamics, and et cetera, and those really didn't cross. And it wasn't until um, I really started to have an honest conversation with myself and get a little bit more honest in, with my prayer life, and, and probably even studying a little harder, even in the traditional stuff, where I said, let's take a look at this a little bit more um, and you can really start to see that they, they're not mutually exclusive, they're not separate. When you, you really, and I'd say when I was going through my PhD, and you probably have this experience, that's when I really understood how much I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> and what that means is all the different assumptions that we make, and you just understand that science and, and STEM in general is, is, is not a God, it's not God, it's not a God, it's not even close. And there's all these assumptions that we're making, and, and, and we're okay with that in the scientific community. Um, and I think as, as I reflected on that and then started to look a little bit deeper, even in the, the written, you know, the scripture, there are explanations, there are presence of, of STEM in, in the Bible. And if I really am professing that, God, you are the author of all knowledge and you know all things, I would pray to you before I went into a test, then probably now as a professor, I can pray to you before I go into the lab too. Mm. And I think when I started to have, really take that approach and being openly honest about it, um, things just started changing, Dr. Grant. I started 
understanding more. I got more ideas. I was kicking myself that I didn't do it sooner. Wow. Um, but it was just, it was, you know, it was a lot of introspection. And I, and I have to say it was, I benefited from being around more senior people who were, uh, who were people of faith. And they were bold and unashamed. Um, one gentleman in particular at Mayo Clinic, Kai Nan An, Dr. An, who's now retired. I remember uh, we would pray in the lab before events. He's, and, you know, he was very respectful and he would say, you know, I understand this is not what you do, but we're going to pray. And, dealing, and then even back at Iowa, Dr. Andrew Williams, who does a lot with um, computers and he's now at University of Kansas, uh, he's actually also an ordained minister, um, just not being afraid to share faith. And so I think seeing that and the introspection really helped me to um, marry those. So it's a matter of not trying to keep them separate. You know, um, when I'm working on one, pray and, and talk to God about it, but also even when I'm studying the Bible, don't shut off my engineering thought processes because I think they're very applicable. And I think the word of God can stand up to whatever questions and inquiries that we have. So I'm, I'm not going to turn off all this, you know, these 20 some odd years of training. And, and I think because I didn't turn it off, it has helped me just grow spiritually. Absolutely. That is, that is, um, that is wonderful. I, um, I have so many things that I, that I could ask you, but again, I want to kind of limit our time to today because I told you we're bringing you back. You are Thank a you. local, uh, uh, natural um, uh, uh, resource in terms of your knowledge and the work that you're doing. So we want to continue to uh, let people know what you know where you are and and what you're doing right you know right behind you we have an image of George Washington Carver who really is kind of the embodiment of what of what we're doing here at this center um, I see fish he is he, he he's the one who absolutely uh, would tell you about his faith mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. absolutely was passionate about his work in science absolutely um, and understood quite a bit about his history as an African-American a man who came from an enslaved people. So he's the embodiment of really all that we do in terms of the promise and the peril of science. Um, but can you just say a little bit, a little bit about your research interests? I know it's a lot of big words and <laughs> looking at, at, at this program and all these acronyms, but um, you mentioned that you got into biomedical engineering. You moved from industrial engineering to biomedical engineering because you really wanted to help people. Absolutely. And so a lot of folks don't know what biomedical engineers do. So just say a little bit about what your research interests are, what you're doing at, uh, at A&T. Thank you for that question. Um, generally, if I think we've got to step back and understand what engineering is. At its foundation, engineers solve problems. We help people and we solve problems. And so whether you're civil, mechanical, that just defines what kind of problems you're solving. So in my world, we tackle problems related to the human body, related to medicine, and that's everything from how do we take better images of people using MRIs and x-rays and CT machines to my particular area, which is how do we design better implants. So when um, grandma has to go get that total hip replacement, the designs that we have now are much better than we had even five, 10 years ago. Um, nothing is as good as your original parts, but we're getting much better. So as a biomedical engineer, how do we 
create materials? How do we design the device better? How do we test it better? Um, how do we come up with different interventions to help people not only just live longer, but also enjoy that longer life? Wow, that is, um, that is amazing. I, uh, I saw an article, I think earlier this year, and this might be a little bit out of your sphere, but it just shows me how rapidly things are changing in science and, and technology as it relates to not just medicine, but you know, in all facets. But the fact that they were able to take um, pig brains, did y'all, pig brains from pigs have been slaughtered for their meat, brains have been dead for hours, they put them in some kind of a fluid and could detect electromagnetic signals. Absolutely, Saying yes. that now, you know, brain death is not what we thought it was, right? Right. So now I don't know, do my do biomedical engineers do tissues? Like, do yes. you redo organs? Can you make men of the pancreas? Can you, you know, I'm just asking. That's a great you know? question. That's a great question. You know, question. we got a lot of diabetes. We want to know. We do. We do. We do. And, and, and I think that's an important reason why we need to be involved in the field. Um, you, and you probably, I know you already understand this, uh, the way science and engineering now is so interdisciplinary. So short answer is yes, bioengineers are involved in that. And it's a team sport. So it's going to be engineers. It's going to be scientists. It's going to be mathematicians. It's going to be nurses and uh, other practitioners all working together as a team. But yes, absolutely, we are, we are involved in growing organs, um, but also all the technology to support those particular organs. Uh, the, the transplant list is still very short. We have much higher need than, uh, than we have supply, so we have to explore other, other options. And so everything from, uh, like you said, the pancreas to you know, the brain is one of the great challenges that we are still trying to understand. Uh, more neurons there than they say stars in the sky. You know how you know how awesome is God for that? Um, and so, and it's 20, 2020, and we still are trying to figure this this thing out. You know, a couple of weeks ago we just found out, um, or I shouldn't say a couple of weeks, but months. You know, there's there's some new organs that we're kind of figuring out in the body. So, um, all those things are, are are very much we're involved with in terms of biomedical engineering, and it's it's a great thing because. You can do it from so many different aspects. Maybe you want to be the one in the lab putting the brain in the solution. Or maybe that's not your thing and you're like, I'll just look at the data after the fact, you know? But that's that's all STEM um, and it's really exciting. Wow. I um I was listening in on a on a panel recently and I, we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap it up. Like I said, you are gonna come back. I this hope is, so. These are these kinds of topics that I'm sure um, um, are going to generate lots and lots of conversation. But um, I heard it said in this panel that biology is going to do for our knowledge about humanity what physics did in the 20th century about our knowledge of the universe. Mm. So the 21st century, we're going to see biology explode in terms of what, you know, because you know, if, if we're talking about bringing pig brains back to life, mm -hmm. so now we've, we've got this 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 field, we've, we've got this space in between life and death mm -hmm. that we didn't think existed. And right. that's where clergy come in. Absolutely. Here's where ethics come in, Absolutely. right? Here's where morality, just because yes. we could, we can do something, doesn't, doesn't mean, mean we, we should. should do something. That's right. And we don't know what the unknowns are. Yes. Uh, once we get, you know, we begin to play with consciousness that is um, 
externally and yes. not internally yes. derived. But I tell you what we're gonna do, Doc. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. I was gonna ask you a little bit about Project 2061. Uh, 2061 is the year where AAAS says we really want to have a society that is fully scientifically literate. That we're 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 comfortable with math. We're comfortable with science. We're comfortable with technology because it will be driving. Uh, it is already driving society's um, mores. Um, our desires, um, our health care. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for some of us, it's driving. Um, you know, your. You know, you know the way in which you uh, find. Uh, you know, mates. Yes. So all of these things are being influenced by um, science and technology. So we need to be a, a society that is comfortable with it. Will I want to uh, allow you to jump in and just kind of have some some concluding comments for Dr. McCullough before we sign off. Well, first of all, Dr. McCullough, I want to thank you again for uh, coming and lending your expertise. Uh, this has definitely been a very intriguing conversation. Um, so glad. And I'm really looking forward to having you back. Thank you. Um, one thing that we uh, sort of touched on in the very beginning uh, of the conversation was, you know, you talking about your exposure uh, to STEM at a young age. Uh, at, in this world where, you know, we know that technology is allowing for everyone to kind of just have these different exposures, uh, how do we think that we can focus on our uh, young children of colors, particularly, you know, black children, um, and getting them exposed to STEM so that by the time they get to college, they can go to an A&T? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a great question. Um, it's interesting because we ha I think we have to strike a fair balance in that we need to leverage technology, but we also need to get some people in the room. Um, there are a ton of websites out there, and I've, I've reviewed them. Um, there are some new books, more than we've ever had, and so I think it's, number one, it's important that we visit those websites. Uh, kids YouTube, and YouTube is very popular uh, with kids, and I have a six-year-old son, so we have to make sure that he and others are looking at websites that talk about these things, that show uh, particularly black people in positive roles and involved in, in STEM. And then also we need to uh, do more to just have um, black STEM workers uh, in the community um, to, yes, continue to go to church and continue to be involved in, with, uh, you know, community uh, events like coaching, but also don't be shy of the fact that you work in STEM. Uh, let people know and, and make yourselves available. So I'm speaking to myself as well, so that if people have questions, um, they can come to you. Uh, and, and then I think, speaking to your point, Dr. Grant, about, uh, you know, scientifically literate, um, making sure everybody, even if you are not in the field, you can put your hands on somebody who is. And it's it's not a burden. It's not a, um, I'm going to scratch your back, you scratch mine. But it's for all of us to, to come together and, and help each other. Um, and I think that is that is so important in terms of what we're trying to do. So I think it has to be a dual approach. I think we have to leverage the technology, but also the in-person uh, interactions are, are, are really important. That is a great way to end this particular podcast. Um, AAAS has a program that we haven't actually uh, made a part of the Hood program, but I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking about that now. It's called Scientists in the Sanctuaries, where people who don't really even know who are in the STEM field 
um, they might be going to the same church or the same mosque or the same synagogue, but in particular because we are a Christian seminary, we're looking at the sanctuaries. And if persons had a scientific question, would they even know um, who to ask, where to ask, how to ask? But having someone that you know, oh yes, yeah, so and so, he's he's a scientist. He works at A and T, or she works at the lab, or Absolutely. you know, having having that flesh and blood um, um, contact is critically important as we talk about being able to bridge this gap between what seems to be this uh, this intangible, sometimes intimidating mm -hmm. field of uh, mm -hmm. of STEM. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that. Dr. McCullough, uh, I appreciate your time. As always, it's Thank always you. a joy to be with you. Always. Uh, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful holiday break. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Same all the things uh, uh, that, that that bring you joy. May, may you richly enjoy your loved ones uh, and keep what is first, first. We bring you greetings from the IC Fish Center at Hood Theological Seminary. Until we see you next time, be blessed. Bye-bye. Fish and Focus is a production of the International Center of Faith, Science, and History, recorded on-site at Hood Theological Seminary in Salisbury, North Carolina. It's been brought to you with funding and consideration by the American Association for Advancement of Sciences, the Science for Seminaries Grant, and Hood Theological Seminary. Special thanks to Dr. Virgil Lattimore, our president, and our board of advisors, and a huge thank you to Dr. Matthew McCullough, our guest for today.